Well, it's my privilege to serve in the pulpit this morning, and thank you for coming again. I am teaching on 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, and the title of the sermon is Discipleship in the Flood of Culture. So we're in a series, branch out, dig in, branch out, live it up is coming later. We're in the branch out series, which means to be a witness and be a light in our culture. And so we're going to take on 1 Peter 3, 18 through 20, and it's going to give us some help, I believe. So I'm going to say three words, and for most people in this room, it's going to evoke some kind of story. I'm sure if you don't have personal experience with what I'm about to say, you've certainly heard stories. Recreational river floating. Yeah. Kind of a classic summer pastime that uh, some people are more prepared for than others. You know, you don't time your float just right. You end up sunburnt, miserable, still two hours to go, sun going down. There's those stories. And I want to share a story with you from uh, 22 years ago this April. So Nathan, Chris, and Steve decide to float the Green River just below Kanaskit Palmer State Park in Washington State, where I'm from. April, April, snow melt, river is high and dangerous. It looks kind of like that. That's a picture of the Green River at Kanaskit Palmer. And that, that's probably, a, I'm going to guess that's like a May-June sort of picture. So it was higher than that. But even that looked manageable when we were putting in. Three guys, full-grown teenage boys, Three or two devices between us. Device number one, old truck tube. So you know those ones where it's like all fat on one end and the little skinny on the other, big hole in the middle? Brr. Steve, leader of the group, I got it. I'll take the tube. Me and Chris, what do we got? A one-man Sevler raft. Bought it at the drugstore. Comes in a box. Pump and paddle included. Great idea. Great idea. So, three teenage boys, two flotation devices. So, we put in to the river, put our feet in that water. Ooh, it's cold, but we'll be all right. So, here we are in the river, and we start floating down, and we're hooting and hollering. It's a good time. It's fun. There's just enough rapids to you know, keep it real, but we're managing. I've got a paddle, so I'm in the back. Chris is sitting here, and that's no problem. Steve is trying to paddle. You know, you'd paddle a tube, and it's like this, you know. But anyway, Steve is managing, and we're going down the river. All of a sudden, the river picks up a little bit. It's getting a little more swift. A few, bigger, few uh, more rocks under the surface, bigger rocks. And we separate from Steve. We go around this bend, and we lose sight of Steve, and there's this very large rock on the corner, and we just miss it. And we realize you can't quite see it when you're approaching it, so, so it's a very dangerous obstacle. And we, sure enough, we paddle away from it, and we manage to clear the danger. We turn back to see if Steve's going to make it. We see Steve just in time to see him flip the round backwards and go end over tea kettle against the obstacle. The last thing I saw of Steve was his feet. So in vain, I break out, the, you know, I got the paddle and I'm trying to paddle up river to get to Steve, can't do it. We're looking at that water, bubbles, green, churning, no Steve. Look down the river, Steve's head just pops up 
about 200 feet downstream, not far from his tube, and we see him uh, swimming to his tube. It was at that point that I had the first bright idea of the day. This is dangerous. (laughs) This is dangerous. And moreover, our boats are no good for this water. Our boats are no good for this water. We needed, uh, we needed uh, something better. And I'm wondering, as we consider this morning the text, the kinds of situations in life that make us feel like we're on dangerous water, like our flotation's not sufficient. We needed a boat that looked like this. And instead, poor Steve-O, completely underwater. And how does it feel to be completely underwater? What kinds of situations and relationships are at work in relation to our marriage and children and family and siblings? A relationship with our own bodies, our health. Are there situations where we feel like, you know what, I'm going down. I just can't get my head above water. I need oxygen. I'm drowning. Or I'm pulled by the current. I mean, you could say, well, there's personal issues. But just living in a culture, it can feel like we're flooded. This current political season, this is all I'm going to say about politics, that it can be confusing. You feel like the currents are strong. It just feels like, man, I just can't breathe in all of this chaos. So, I believe God's word will help us uh, find some flotation this morning amidst all that we face. So please read with me 1 Peter 3, uh, 18 through 20. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. The Bible says that we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Please pray with me. God, we're gathered here in your name, and I thank you for that. I thank you for everyone that you've brought to sit where they are, And Father, we are all here at your feet needing instruction, needing food, needing your help. You see, you know everything we're going through. And for those that have trouble believing that today, I pray that uh, your word would be made clear that you are for us. We give you thanks. Amen. So I've been told that my sermons benefit from a game plan. Uh, So this is the plan. This is the main point today. God is for us. God is for us. Thank you, Daryl. God is for us. There's others. Here's the roadmap. Here's the plan. Jesus brings us to God. That's how we know God is for us, because Jesus brings us to God. We know God is for us because Jesus works through our work, and Jesus saves us from judgment. That's the map. So first, let's dig into Jesus bringing us to God. So in the 
First century, when Peter wrote this letter, he wrote it to Christians up in Asia Minor. So that map, the color is kind of hard to distinguish. But right in the middle there, that's the Mediterranean Sea. Bottom, North Africa. On the right, the Holy Land. Up there, coming out, that's uh, present-day Turkey, Asia Minor. So the church that Peter was writing to was in that region. And they are just smack dab in the middle of the Roman Empire, a Roman context. One where sensuality... Uh, was was a normal thing to pursue, all kinds of different arrangements, domestic arrangements, and all kinds of things that the culture was doing. The uh, strength and sometimes craziness of Roman politics, the just living in a neighborhood where you're not liked a whole lot. If you're a Christian and you're claiming to follow Christ, you're not sacrificing to the emperor. You're not so much into partying the way that these people party. And Peter goes on to say, look, you, you, ought to, you shouldn't party the way they party in chapter 4 of this very letter. So look, the, the wild parties, the craziness, the sensuality, and that's not for you. And certainly Christians aren't going to sacrifice to the emperor. So if you were a Christian in the Roman Empire, you, you would feel overwhelmed at times. There would be arrangements in, in politics, there'd be arrangements even at home where a Christian was just in a situation where they had to submit and they had to work out, how do I handle these strong currents of my culture? Sound familiar? And Peter says, you know, there are some things you're just going to have to submit to, and that's going to be hard. It's it's just going to be hard. But I want you to know this, that God is for you, okay? God is for you. And moreover, he says this, in order for you guys to branch out, You just have to back up just a few verses before the ones I read. And he says this, look, if you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. But here's how to branch out. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do so with gentleness and respect. So just stay on task gentle, respectful, make the Lord a holy place for you in your hearts, honor him, and be ready to give a defense why I hope and believe the way I do. So to me, that can sound like a tall order. How do I, I don't know if I always do that perfectly, and what does that mean, and what does that look like? Well, here's our passage, and he's going to say, he's going to give an example, he's going to show us how it is that we branch out in this way. So what's going to help me do this? So number one is just just to realize the main point. I just got to get into my head that God is for me. God is for me. And here's how I know that. Verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins. So we live in a different day and age where we don't bring physical Bibles so much. Does anybody do that anymore? I mean, that was the normal thing. Big old Bible in a case, you know, yeah highlighted inserts and whatnot, tape. Well, if you're a circle the Bible kind of person, or at least circle it in your head, circle also, Christ also suffered. There's nothing that we go through that he hasn't gone through. And he might not know what it's like to be completely guilty of our sins, but certainly he was charged as guilty. It was worse for him. He was innocent. And he died a sinner's death. He was abandoned. He was misunderstood. He was rejected. 
He was mocked. He was made fun of. He felt alone. He felt like nobody's getting this. Nobody's getting me. He felt, I'm flooded. I'm over my head. God, why have you forsaken me? God, I do not want to go to the cross. But nevertheless, the righteous one says this, not your will, not my will, but your will. You see, Jesus suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. He suffered in my place, in your place. Why? That he might bring us to God. So if you're going to circle something, circle bring us. I want to talk about that for a second. That's not like uh, I brought a sack lunch to school with me today. You know, I happened to bring my guitar. This word uh, is more like I have a special invitation. Someone went out of his way to, 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 get a, to, to, to contact me and say, hey, look, I'm going to bring you before someone great. Well, what would it be like to receive an, 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 uh, uh, something in the mail that says, you know what, we, we want you to come meet the governor. Like, wow, who's sending this to me? Who's this person? Who's taking me to this special place with this special person? Have you ever found like a, a sweet spot? Has anybody ever taken you to like your favorite spot on the river or a, a great restaurant? Have you ever been to a spot that was really hard to find? And you're like, wow, this is, this is great. And, and who brought you there? And you say to that person, wow, how'd you find this place? And they say, I got lost a lot. <laughs> they say, I... I you know, I've suffered through this. I, I figured out, I, I, know, I know the river. I know this river. I know where the great fishing holes are. I've taken the, you know, the sticker bushes to the face. There's this great spot, and why I'm thinking of this, on the green, just below the gorge, not far from where I put in. And you have to park at a cemetery, and you'd go down this really st- uh, steep ravine. It's, it's very difficult, and there's blackberry bushes everywhere, and you get scraped up getting there, but it's worth it. And we are brought to God in that way. The holy God of the universe has every reason not to allow me because I have turned my back on him time and time again. It's not just that I fell over. I live in a broken world, and so brokenness kind of spills over on me. It's that. I mean, that's true. But if we search our hearts, we also know that there are times where it's not a passive deal. It's not, oh, dear, you know, brokenness again. It's, no, I, I've chosen to turn my back on the God of the universe. I've chosen to reject the knowledge that I do have that there is a creator, and I'm going to turn my own way. And that's what the Bible calls sin. And we are let back into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus, the one who suffered. You see, God is for us. He saw we couldn't get there on our own. And he gives the invitation. He paid the admission price. And your name's on it. So how do we apply this? Okay, God is for us. So I want now, I'm going to pray now. God, show us the situation we need to identify. Amen. Visualize an overwhelming situation going on now. Something that makes you feel flooded. You know, when this person calls me on the phone I, and I answer, I, I try my best, but then I end up flooded, overwhelmed in a corner, pulled into the current of it all. When I open the bank statement and when I get second notice, third notice, collections notice, ooh, 
the water's over my head. When I get the report from the doctor and he tells me what I should be doing to help my body out, I just, I don't, I, I just don't know what to do. Visualize the situation and identify it and then write it down or text it into your note application, whatever you have, or at least make a mental note. And then give thanks because you're not alone. You see, Jesus, the Son of God, died to give us access to God in that very situation. We don't have to face that estrangement, that sense of being overwhelmed and flooded and lost and confused and dashed against the rocks. Jesus himself suffered. I'm not alone. Moreover, he has admitted me to the presence of God. I have access to God's help. I can go to God like that in this very situation. I'm a mess. I'm not faithful. I'm struggling. I'm afraid. I'm underwater. I'm alone. I'm going to give thanks. So give thanks now, right now. God, thank you. You're available in that situation. And now maybe decide the next time I face that, just think about right now, when's the next time you're likely to talk to that person? When does that bill tend to show up in the mail? And think, I'm going to give thanks even then. Okay. So I'm saying God is for us because Jesus brings us to God. He opens the way to his presence by his death. All right, so what's with this Noah stuff? Why is Peter talking to them about Noah? So here the Christians are, Asia Minor, Roman culture. Here we are, our culture, trying to figure this out. How do we branch out? How do we be faithful? And Jesus says, remember, remember the time of Noah. Remember when he's building the ark. Why does he bring this up? It's an, it's an illustration. It's, it's to point us someplace. So here we see in which he went, the in which is the spirit. In the spirit, Jesus went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. Now scholars have a field day with this. And there's, there's books written about it. I had to read up, I had to study up, and I'm just gonna tell you my decision. Seems pretty clear to me. He's talking about in the days of Noah, Jesus was present. Jesus was working. Jesus was helping Noah with his complicated daily task. You see, the Christians in Asia Minor had a complicated daily task of bearing witness, of submitting, of, of just working out how to, how to branch out to their culture. So do we. And he's saying Noah in his culture, the spirit of Jesus was working, was preaching even. Now, only eight people wanted to go into the boat. But the offer was on the table. I mean, Noah was building the ark for a long time. Peter writes another letter. Second Peter says, Noah's a preacher of righteousness. There's a whole tradition in, in the Jewish literature that Noah actually preached. It doesn't say here that he preached, but I know he had to get his hammer out every day or how, I don't know what his schedule was, but it took a very long time. That ark was probably here to Kirkwood Road, about three football fields, no modern construction equipment. And I don't know about you, but when I have a project, a hands-on project, because I don't do it professionally, I don't do it very much at all, and I'm kind of a hack, if I have a day where I'm swinging a hammer all day and then you go to bed, you're like, ow, how do those guys do that? So I'm sure there were days where Noah was like, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. And maybe he didn't some days, but he did eventually and he stayed at it. How? By the spirit of Christ working through him. Got it done. And so 
I wonder, I, I, I'm sure there were people say, why are you doing that? Why are you building that big old thing? There's no, there's no water, there's no ocean around, there's no huge lake. Why are you doing that? And he would have to tell them. Maybe some days he didn't do such a great job at it, but he kept working at it. And it's saying here that the Spirit of God was working through that. That there are people who are now in what we might say prison. There are people who are not in the presence of God. That's a prison. But Jesus was faithful to preach to them through Noah's faithful actions and words. You see, this is not not a party float, what we're on here. It's not a party float. It's a rescue mission. God has given us the tasks he has given us that we would be faithful in them. And that we'd rise to the occasion when we're asked, why are you doing what you're doing in the way that you're doing it? And we could just say, well, something like, well, I believe in God. I believe I've been saved by Jesus and I think he helps me every day. So I, I try to seek his help. Not complicated. And friends, I'll tell you, I've been, been a preacher a little bit and been a Christian longer, and I have failed. There are days I didn't want to get out of bed. There are days that I've, I chickened out with the neighbor, but God hasn't given up on me. Neighbor's still there. It's day to day. So here's how to apply this. You pick a complicated a situation, a, a task that's complicated, takes a lot of time. What has God given me to build? Some of y'all are, re- are really like building things. You know, you build buildings and that's your, your work. But I mean, just think about, well, God, I guess I'm building a, a witness with my neighbor. I'm building a relationship with my wife. I'm trying to build a family, a, a, a safe, happy family with my children. I'm trying to build that. That's complicated. There are days I don't feel like changing the diaper. There, there are days I don't do so great at it, but it's not going away. It's just here. It's what God has laid on me. So what is that for you? Maybe God would help you identify. What's the, what's the task? And then write it down. See, you're, right now we're creating like a memory tool. You write these things down. You put them on your fridge so that when you're facing it, you can remember. And you say, hey, God, I want to be faithful in this task. I want to be faithful in my studies, in my work. I want to be faithful in my conversations with my family. I want to be faithful. And then think about... Well, is anybody going to ask me about that? Or is it, is, when do I get asked about that kind of thing? Maybe my children ask. Maybe my neighbor asks. Maybe my coworker asks. How's that gone in the past? Well, some of us would say maybe not so great. But maybe you could say, okay, well, I can learn. I mean, the task is still on me, so I'm going to try to remember that. And I'm going to try to right now think of a sentence I could say, something simple, like I want to be faithful because God's been faithful to me. And give thanks. It says the spirit of Jesus was working with Noah. And Peter's telling that to this New Testament church that that's available to them. That the the spirit of Jesus is working even in their suffering. Even through their faithfulness. And it's in our Bible so that we also know that the spirit of Jesus is available. He's working. He works through our work. He's a day-to-day Jesus. He's not just a Sunday Jesus. He's not just a Christmas Jesus or an Easter Jesus. He's a day-to-day Jesus. You can check in with him. You can ask him for guidance. It's a great thing. You gently, with gentleness and respect, Peter says, give reason for my hope. Give reason why I do the tasks that I do in the way that I do them.
Okay. Remember, God is for us. So we're brought to God. Jesus works through our work. God was for Noah. He was for Peter and his friends in Asia Minor. And he's for us. Verse 20, third point. We know God is for us because Jesus saves us from judgment. A few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Again, why is Peter using this judgment story? Because he's reminding the Christians in Asia Minor, and he's reminding us, look, there are sections of the river that are manageable. Lazy river is fun on a lazy afternoon. Something cold in your hand. Bobbing through the water there, down the Merrimack or wherever. But we all know that the river picks up, the waters rise, and eventually, friends, there's a waterfall, one that we cannot manage. Where I'm from, there's a famous waterfall called Snoqualmie Falls, so all that water you know melts off of the mountains or the snow melts off the mountains floods the rivers and you can go to it's, it's really easy to get to it's off i-90 you just google it snoqualmie falls there's a wonderful little lodge up there called the salish lodge you can have wine and cheese and the hot tub or whatever and look at the falls and um you can hike down to the bottom and you could be like a quarter mile away and you're getting wet because that water is dropping about 300 feet and it's smashing on the rocks below and it creates this mist in the air. It's a wonderful place to be on the dry ground. I would not want to be in my little tube, you know, trying to get out of the, because you know it's coming, (laughs) right? So it speaks to us of judgment. And if we were having a scholarly debate, is this some cataclysmic apocalypse now situation? Is this the judgment of death? We don't need to talk about that. Let's just go with the death option right now. We are all facing the judgment for our sin, which is the grave. And it's telling us that there's salvation available. Peter was saying there's salvation available. You see, remember that God is for us. And if there's salvation available, it means this, that if I believe in Jesus, I will not be judged for my sin. This is something worth writing down, maybe like three times on your memory device. If I believe in Jesus, I will not be judged for my sin. I will not be held accountable for my sin. Jesus was. Now, God might, in, this, in the here and now, might discipline me, might let the consequences play out, might, sure, I'm going to face trouble, but at the end of the day, I am not going to be held accountable for my sin because that was paid on the cross. All to him I owe. Sin is left a crimson stain. He washed them white as snow. I have access. So how does this affect branching out? Well, I don't have to be afraid. When I fail, I can say, God ain't going anywhere. I'm safe. I don't have to be ashamed. I can try and I can get up again. I want to be faithful to him. He's been so faithful to me. In fact, the spirit of Jesus is faithful. It's just right there, helping me side by side with my work. If I believe in Jesus, I will not be judged for my sin. It seems like an easy thing to say, but here I am. Sometimes I don't believe that and I'm the one preaching. (laughs) 
get, get it in there. God, you are for me. You are for me. You are for me. You really are. You, you really are for me. You've taken care of everything on the front end, on the back end, and even right now. You are for me. Glory. Hallelujah. Okay, so I wish I had this boat. Or I wish at least these people were coming to get Steve, Chris, and I. They look like they know what they're doing. You got flotation just in case. They got the dry suits on, uh, engine in the back to give you some propulsion. Looks like a pretty solid boat. That's not what I had. For Noah, it looked like this. Wait. No, it didn't. Looks like some fine Norwegian boat builder did this one. You see, God told Noah to build an ark. And the ark is a box. It's a box from me to Kirkwood Road. It's a, it's a box. No rocker on the freeboard there. No bow, no stern, no prow, no deck, no sail, no motor, no rudder. If you were to put a box from here to Kirkwood Road in the sea, if you were to put it in the lake, it, it, it wouldn't manage. Now God said, hey, Noah, tar it up. Use the tar to seal it off. But nevertheless, this is not a seaworthy vessel. It's a box. An ark is a box. The Hebrew for ark is like the ark of the covenant. It's a box. And if you look, you're going to do a little seminary geek, and you look at all the boxes of the Bible... You'll see something. It's a place of God's presence. The garden. It's a temple. It's a tabernacle. It's got borders. The city of God. The ark. That's the safe place. That's the safest place. It's got a force field around it. Waterfall don't matter. Rocks don't matter. Current don't matter. It's the place of God's presence. And if you're allowed in the box, you're all right. Last night, I had the complicated job of small engine repair. So our weeds are out of control. Now the sun's shining, the rain's falling. And so the mower's insufficient by itself. I've got to like, break out the weed eater. Well, I've got a, uh, we're renting a place, and the landlord's got a weed eater that needed some love. Tried to get it going, didn't work. Went to Home Depot last night, got a little repair kit. Pull into the driveway, and the rain starts to fall. It really fell last night for about 30 minutes. And for some, that's terrifying. For others, I can see by the, by the smell on your face, you're like, that was awesome. Because you were inside. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am with the weed eater. The kids come screaming in the house. And, and uh, you know, the rain's coming, the rain's coming. I was like, well, I just got to finish this task, this weed eater thing. So I'm going to go back out to the garage. And so I have the weed eater kind of apart and trying to fix it. And the rain really starts to fall. And that garage is made out of wood, no insulation. It's very, very simple structure, but dry. And that rain is beating on the wood. And I had this feeling, it's good to be inside. And, and, and there's something really cool about this. And I wonder for Noah and his family, when that rain started to fall, was it a scramble into the boat? Was it like, finally? Was it like, oh, forget, you know, I forgot the peanut butter? You know, I don't know what it was. 
But here they are. Here they are. They're in the boat. And I just want you to imagine this with me. I'm not trying to read something in the scripture. I, I'm just, just as an exercise of the imagination, okay? So here they are, and the range is beaten against that ark. And then the ark kind of picks up and starts to move. I don't know if you ever launched a boat into a lake and you realize, okay, it's off the trailer. It's really floating. So what would that feel like? It starts to move a little bit. It starts to creak. Okay, it's good to, be, good to be inside. And they peek out the window and they see a man standing in the rain. They say, Dad, Dad, did we miss someone? There's a guy out there. Dad, we, we forgot, we got to tell him. They, you know, crawl up, scamper up to whatever window there was and say, hey, come, come on, this is for you. And the man says, no, I'm going to face what's out here so that you can be in there. Jesus faces the judgment, the flood. The reason the earth was flooded was for human wickedness. And the Son of God took it on himself. All through the Bible, water is used for chaos, death, something unmanageable. And Jesus says, the waters have gone over my head. Why have you forsaken me? Here's why. I'm going to be faithful. I got my people. They belong in the safe place of my presence. And that's what Jesus did for us. So if I believe in him, I will not face judgment. I'm safe. But I'm going to believe in the Son of God. Paid my ticket. And I got a spot inside. You see, God is for us. He's for us. God is for us. He's for you. He's for me. Let's pray. Hear these words from Psalm 69. Save me, O God. For the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mud where there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and the flood sweeps over me. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord. For your steadfast love is good according to your abundant mercy. Turn to me.